All right. Well, we're in the, I think, think second to the last lesson of our uh, series, uh, What is a Healthy Church Member? It's based on this little book here. Uh, there was a, there's a more famous book called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, and uh, this uh, has been out for a long time, and then this guy several years ago decided, you know, what does that imply? What do those nine marks kind of imply for members of a healthy church? What's a, what, are, what are healthy church members like? What does the Bible teach about that? And so we've been going through that, and um, you, you may uh, recall uh, some of our lessons. We're going to refer to them, uh, but we talked about being an expositional listener, being a biblical theologian. So y'all should all grow beards, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> theologian. Um, I don't know why we think of theologians as having... I think it's because you want to be able to do this, right? right? Yeah. See, when I do that, it's pointless. It's as, as it is when I try to grow a beard. Okay. <laughs> so um, a church member is gospel-saturated. A healthy church member is genuinely converted. Uh, probably no one's been here for all these lessons, but uh, just to remind you kind of the elements... Uh, a biblical evangelist, a committed member, a uh, church member seeks discipline, a church member is a growing disciple, and then uh, today we're going to do a church member is a humble follower, humble follower. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, when I found out, uh, well, let's just let's just let's just let's just start with this. Uh, those things I just list listed. Humble follower, before we talk about, about what that means, what the Bible teaches about that, just the, just the words, humble follower, how, how, how does that relate to some of the things I just listed there? Like, for example, expositional listener. How does being an expositional listener relate to being a humble follower? Well, it's not a blind follower or a... Naively blind. It's not. I don't. I read that as not being a blind following work. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do whatever they say. Follow wherever they lead, no matter what. Expositional listening. Yeah, expositional listening is listening for the teaching. Right. It's li it's listening. You're you're looking for expositional teaching. And uh, so. Well, that takes a different level of listening, right? If you're, you're, that's what you're looking for. That's what you're expecting to hear. And uh, so, yeah, all right. Uh, what about biblical theologian? How does, how does being a humble follower link to being a biblical theologian as a member? Having the ability to discern proper theology mm -hmm. and knowing whether what is being taught and needing to be followed is the right way. Right. I mean, basically, if you are trying to be a biblical theologian, what school are you in? You're in the school of the church you're in. Right? So it's, it's your primary, your church, and the leaders, your preachers, and teachers at your church are the primary kind of, they're like your seminary professors if you were going to go to seminary. So that's a linkage. Like, 
you know, who are you learning from? Who are you studying under? Right? Uh, how about seeker of discipline? That was one of the one of the elements we looked at a couple weeks ago. Seeker of discipline. How does that relate? It implies to me. It implies like sub, uh, a level of submission to to um, to those around us, to the leaders, to them. Right. We talked in the class. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. We talked about sort of looking for correction, expecting correction, not not stiff arming correction, and so uh, and also the element of study. Discipline has both that both that. The element of study, which I think is also covered under kind of being, being a the, trying to be a theologian, learning to be a theologian, learning to be an expositional listener, uh, that kind of covers that end. And then the discipline, the other side of discipline being like expecting correction, reproof. So when we hear that from our, our preachers and teachers, we are, that links up with that principle. That helps us be that. Okay. Um, and I think really likewise, growing disciple, growing disciple. Uh, again, it's the, it's the school we're in, but that almost comes back around to our, our, uh, our personal study as well, right? So uh, as a growing disciple, we're not just, we're not probably just listening to the teaching we receive on Sunday mornings, but we're also per- pursuing that. I mean... I'm going to speak for myself here, but oftentimes when I'm told that I should read a passage of Scripture in advance of the coming lesson, well, I don't want to really want to talk about my score there. How often do I actually do that? Or when we get there, I'm like, you know, I didn't do that. But a growing disciple would be, I think, would be the kind of personal habits that we would, would be growing in as well. And again, all kind of this kind of almost from the school that we're in. <clears throat> All right, so now um, this, when I found out I was going to be assigned this subject, I tried to swap it off <laughs> because I thought this would be kind of weird. You know, here I am, it sounds like, it could sound like self-serving to say, because I, I'm serving as an elder all of a sudden right now, I'm, going, I'm just like, okay, well, this sounds like I'm like telling people what to do in my own favor here. So that would be weird. And uh, <clears throat> so actually I ended up studying about that for quite a while. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, a couple of things I was reminded of as I just dug into it. Uh, and the main one is that an elder or a pastor is also a congregant. And of course, we we the Bible teaches, and we uh, we teach uh, that there should be a plurality of elders. There should be more than one, if at all possible. And I think one of the main reasons for that is because the the elders need elders. The elders need elders. We're not we're not not congregants. If you're if you're an elder, you're not not a congregant. In fact, you're a congregant with a, maybe you could say you have some extra. Uh, uh, expectations of you as a congregant, even so. That's so. You, so when I'm talking about this this morning, in fact, as I was preparing about this, when I kept thinking about who am I talking about? No offense, John. I kept thinking of Jeremy. 
thinking, okay, who am I talking about here? For me, I'm talking about John and Jeremy. Okay. These are my leaders in this church as, as, and I'm a congregant. So if you can, if it helps, and it's going to, it's helping me. So I hope it helps you <laughs> that, that to, to, that as I'm talking about this stuff this morning, I'm essentially talking as a congregant. And, uh, and all this directly relates to me as much as anybody more so, I think in some cases. So that's, uh, that's one thing. The other thing I was thinking of was just the whole business of the church. That, that as I was reading through all this stuff about elders and congregations, um, it's not like when we think about shepherding, which is kind of the the, the role pastor teacher, and the word that we that we use for pastor means shepherd, and uh, <clears throat> and it's translated in a lot of translations as the, the word is, shows a shepherd, not pastor. And uh, so as we're thinking about shepherding or being shepherded, you know, giving guidance and direction or receiving guidance and direction, you know, watching out for dangers or, and, or hearing warnings about dangers, um, you know, this is not like work, like at the office or at our jobs. We kind of we're we're there at the sort of the pleasure. In fact, I think I had to sign something when I was hired at my last job. Is that I serve at the pleasure of the company, and if they decide they don't want me anymore, I I'm out of there. And uh, <clears throat> I had to understand that in the in the secular workplace, but the church isn't a secular workplace. It's not like that at all. It's not even like a coach and team situation. It's really something. It's a body with different functionalities, right? So if you look at, in fact, let's look at it, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. <clears throat> this is in a passage in Ephesians, uh, it's the translator's subtitle, Unity in the Body of Christ. And in verse 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that's the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ. That's what church is about. That's a lot different than my job. It's a lot different. It's a part of a big, big picture that's way more important, right? And, and it's assembled by God. So whatever our structure is, it's, you know, our, our pastors, our teachers have, you know, they've been basically assigned by God to those responsibilities. And we all have some gift and responsibility. That's, uh, the, we're not studying that this morning, but every one of us has a gift and a responsibility in the body. And uh, <clears throat> so basically, it's, it's, kind of, it's, the, it's the way the body works is another way of looking at it. So I'm like, okay. <coughs> so it's weird, a little awkward, but I'm okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead. And John wouldn't agree to settle. Anyway, no, he did. He actually did agree to settle in case I got sick. So uh, 
All right, so what are we going to do? It's every part doing its part. So what we're going to do is we're going to explore what our author of what is a healthy church member, the way uh, the way he kind of describes some key elements of being a healthy church member based on the scriptures. And he splits this into two things, attitudes and actions. So imagine if I was writing on the board, attitudes and actions. Okay, attitudes, actions. And uh, so let's start with uh, the first attitude that he, that he talks about. And that is in, we find a, a verse about that in 1 Thessalonians 5.12. So be thinking as you're finding 1 Thessalonians 5.12, if you're going to be willing to read it to us. Who's willing to read it to us? 1 Thessalonians 5.12. <clears throat> We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instructions. And verse 13. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. All right, so... Those are some attitudes. Uh-oh. This will be for me to read because I don't think that's dark enough. All right. So what attitudes is this If he, is this uh, Thessalonians verse bringing up as Gratitude. far as us and our pastors and teachers? Gratitude. What else? Some other words that are in there. You might have some different translations Respect. too. That are names. Respect. What else? Appreciation. What else? Any other words? Just a couple different English translations here. Esteem. Esteem. Nicely done. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Peaceful and or peacemakers. Peace, peacemaking. Seeking <laughs> peace. Oh, I'm sorry. Seeking peace. We got it. Thank you. All right. So, okay. How about let's go over to uh, let's go over to First Timothy five seventeen and eighteen. Just a couple pages over, actually. From there, <clears throat> who's got that? Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, 
and the laborer deserves his wages. All right. And verse uh, 19. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. <clears throat> okay. Okay, well, what do we think might be meant by this double honor business? I'm going to go with basically what he says next. Okay, because I think he, what he's doing is saying that and then basically telling us kind of what he meant by that, even though it's not how we would have said it, maybe. So if you look at verse 18, uh, this seems to be referring to um, uh, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So I think this means whose job it is, whose job it is to preach and teach. So in our context, that's our full-time pastors. Okay, our staff members who are pastors. And uh, so, uh, and it seems to be, uh, he mentions uh, muzzling the ox when it treads out the grain. We're going to come back to that later, but for sure we know what it means. The laborer deserves his wages. That's, Paul explained <clears throat> what he means, I think. So that, <clears throat> uh, so not everybody that teaches is doing it full time. And, uh, but those who do, who are, I, I think we're being advised here to make sure that they're taken care of, or that they're taken care of, that they're paid enough, if they're paid well, they're paid fairly, and uh, that they're taken care of, right? And I want to come back to the ox in a minute. Okay, so that's, uh, that's one way, paid uh, paid fairly, taken care of, reasonable hours, you know, reasonable support. It's not, it's not, it's uh, the right word. <clears throat> I think we've, we've heard of churches that sort of didn't treat their pastors fairly, you know. It's just expected not to have, not to have very much of a uh, discretionary spending ability, or whatever the right word is, okay? Just barely, like making a living, like survival wages or whatever, okay? That's, this seems to be talking about more than that. This talks about something that you would, you would end up categorizing as honorable. All right, so that's one thing. What's the other thing that gets mentioned right after it in verse 19? Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. So what's that about? What's an accusation? When you hear an accusation against somebody, how do you usually hear it? 
so-and-so on this said, I heard that gossip. You hear it as gossip, right? There's somebody who's entertaining it <laughs> in their minds. Somebody who's entertaining it. Come right? and hang out. Thinking about it, you know, what if that was true, you know, what if, or, or maybe, you know, well, that would be, that's interesting. We, our human hearts, every one of us, actually, I think, there may be some rare exceptions, actually enjoys gossip. If we didn't enjoy gossip, gossip wouldn't be a problem, right? So our flesh likes to hear unfavorable things about other people. And then probably can, and, and maybe talk about it with other people, but not the person. We're loath to talk to the person we're talking about about it, right? And so I think what this is getting at is, as we hear, it says, do not entertain, right? Do not admit, depending on your translation. So uh, I think... We're, we're called on to doubt this kind of thing and to discourage people from spreading rumors. And if they have a concern about one of our leaders, to please go talk to the leader about it. Please go talk to them about it. Right? Let's, let's, let's instead of enjoying that, uh, that kind of um, uh, sharing of, of, of criticism and so forth, Let's, let's encourage each other to seek the truth rather than spreading negative stuff of unknown origin. Okay. So that's, and that's respect. Now, I put that down as protect reputation. I don't know if that's the best way to word it, but um, uh, well, we've talked about it enough to understand. Now, oh, by the way, now that we've talked, have I got any more out attitudes? I do have some more attitudes. <clears throat> uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. Who's got that? Alan? We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. <clears throat> our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your, in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Now, the Corinthians, I think we've heard this over the years as we've studied the Bible. Corinthian church had a lot of problems. Um, but apparently one of the problems was in this area of respecting their leadership. And uh, and in in this, what's the attitude mentioned here? Or either he's talking about affection. Affection. So our our the words are something like open what open your hearts wider. It's kind of what he says. He's Paul's talking from the perspective of a leader, and he's saying, "You know, we are, we are, we're just, we are, we're loving you, Corinthians. Hey, Corinthians, we are loving you. Open your hearts, love, you know, love us too, okay." And uh, so, uh, <clears throat> so our author calls this shows open-hearted love to the leaders. Really, 
what the church loves. The leaders. What happens? What when, you know? I this is. I think of this uh, maybe in conjunction with marriage, uh, and and something analogous to this. You have to be vulnerable. You know, you're, you you're, when you open up your heart, when you share your heart, you're vulnerable. You could get met, you know, you could be rejected in that. And I think that this, but that's what true, that's how a true, like, a loving relationship gets built, right? You end up being willing to share stuff with someone because you know they care for you and you care for them. So it's okay. And I think that is, that is, a, uh, <clears throat> that idea of not holding back. Um, now, I, I think that's my last <laughs> attitude. Can I share something? Please do, yes. Yeah, just hearing that uh, kind of hit me in a maybe different way. Maybe this is not exactly what you intended, but I'm thinking this from my, partly from my experience growing up, my parents were, served the church, the music minister, and then, uh, and then my, and my mom was a pastor's child, so kind of listening to her and some of her stories sure. and things. It, it kind of made it, this this could also mean like not oh excluding is not the right word, but yes, I know that there were times when she felt like because she was they, they were the pastors that was just a pastor's kid. Yes, that people might not hesitate to almost almost up on a pedestal or yes. Even I mean not not in a malicious excluding excluding sense, but if, it, it's almost like I feel like he's saying like we want to be part of your lives. Yes. Loving each other. We want you to to love on, on us and close and just as a relationship and not exactly. like you know invite us over for you know yeah. beer in the game on Sunday yes. afternoon or, or whatever. Like that's right. don't kind of that yes. isolation pedestal because yes. we're they're not like a separate breed. Um, yes. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I think that's part of that. Actually, the author said, you were saying that more like the author said it than I just did. I think that's great. Yeah. Ron? Well, I, yeah. Just how you opened, I think that's what I'm hearing is in like a marriage <coughs> a compliment and people have different roles, but it's not necessarily a hierarchy. Right. And so right. you can have distinguished roles within even like what we were yeah. doing before the church in terms of parts of the body it's like yeah it doesn't yes. make one better or more important right and sometimes the smallest piece is the most significant right in some ways if you, unless you have a, right the system of sorts exactly that's and paul talked about that i think that's in that either in corinthians or ephesians where paul makes that point he's talking about the gifts and people were all saying well i want to i want to be like I want to have that role. He's reminded, if I don't have that role, I don't want to, you know, and he was like, that's not how bodies work. They're, you know, each piece has a role and they, the way the body works is they work together. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah. So if there's a role that's, is, is a leading role, that's just a role, right? That is a role. There, there could be authority there, but it's, that's all part of how it's set up. Yeah. And I think this attitude about love is exactly the way Michelle was describing it. It's, it's that, 
they're not sort of excluded for some reason. Or maybe a fear of, I, I might yeah. do something wrong or say something wrong, or I don't want to like, you know, do something dumb or, or yeah. in front of the pastor. Yeah. You know, like, we're going to do. We want to love you. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Yeah. I think one way of looking at this is um, I thought of this when I was thinking about the secular workplace versus the body of Christ. And I was thinking, now there's some stuff that you don't tell your boss <laughs> in the secular workspace. You can't really be open with them. In the military, my dad was in the military, the officers were not allowed to fraternize with the enlisted ranks. And, you know, I was always like, that is so weird. But in that environment, that was really an important variable. You know, people were going to have to follow orders without time to reconsider. <laughs> so that's not, that's a different model than this. Ron, go ahead. Well, in terms of like equipping and discipline and those sorts of things, teachers, different teachers teach in different ways and some are really big on rebuke and criticism and mm -hmm. you explain you're doing it wrong or mm -hmm. I know more. It's like you you never feel adequate around them. And there's others that are very encouraging. They highlight what you understand. It's like they're encouraging and inviting. Mm -hmm. And I think you can have teachers functioning both ways and mm -hmm. there's one I've won over sooner than another. <laughs> yeah. Just like other people. Yeah. So even with some of those other things you're talking about, Sometimes it, it's could be harder with some than others to 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 have these attitudes, right? Well, and I guess mm -hmm. it's on both sides. One is, mm -hmm. say, like, I might feel inadequate in some ways, like, oh, what are they going to say? But at the same time, it could be the other person in terms of what they're because I know people that are trying to be helpful, mm -hmm. and it's like it's really not. It's just tearing <laughs> up the person down, yeah, to point out sure. all the sure. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's actually uh, attitude number three here. Attitude number three is called is teachable. And this, I think, gets at the challenges Ron's talking about. Is teachable, our author calls it. So let's look. Uh, well, we already looked at Ephesians 4. 11 and 12. So, I mean, I'll just say that, you know, if teaching is really the primary responsibility of pastors and elders, that's their main different function uh, in the body, uh, including, you know, preaching the word, teaching the word in classes, one-on-one -on -one discipleship, counseling, uh, determining the plan for preaching and teaching. These are all things that the, the, that our leaders do. Uh, it's all around teaching. So if we're not open to learning, then that, that whole function that we just read about in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 is kind of defeated. So we have to, as members, we have to look to be taught. We have to be teachable, right? And look for what God has for us. I was <clears throat> reminded of... Uh, you know, Doug, when Doug was here saying that, you know, if you're hearing something, you think, I know somebody needs to hear this, then that's a trigger. <laughs> that's a trigger if I, you know, I might need to be hearing it. I'm sensitive to it. Why is God, why is God telling me this stuff this morning? Me personally. Yeah, you know, I know I'm thinking of why he's telling it to so-and-so, but why is he telling it to me personally? That's teachability, right? Um, and I think we've all... Uh, <clears throat> 
uh, well, let me just read this, because this gets to Ron's point, I think, also. Two, 2 Timothy 2, 4, 2 Timothy 2, 24. And uh, this is, this is uh, written to teachers. This is written to Timothy and the other elders and teachers of the, where Timothy was, right? And he says, uh, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, and then he says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So Paul there is like, what's he talking about? What do you think he's talking about? First part's like what the expectations of the leaders, right? So the expectation is... Uh, <clears throat> not quarrelsome, kind, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So, so it's, it's kind of describing, like Ron was describing, the what not to, uh, from a teacher's perspective, <laughs> right? Not to do this, right? And, uh, and then he gets into, I think, uh, in the context, he's talking also about people who are introducing false doctrines into the church. And that's really dangerous, right? So he's, he's really honing in on uh, that, you know, even if someone's introducing a false doctrine, you're teaching with kindness and patience, you know, he calls them opponents, correcting their his opponents. So that's someone who's proposing a false doctrine in the church, right? So... Um, but with the out with with uh, the aim that God would grant them repentance. <clears throat> so that's that kind of I think as as members looking to uh, be teachable, we can we can kind of we got to recognize I think that our our teachers are trying to accomplish stuff like this, and uh, <clears throat> so we can we can. Be teachable. We can be listening to make sure we are getting it, that we're not an opponent, right? He's an opponent, like Timothy talks, or Paul talks to Timothy about. Um, all right, those are all the attitudes. Now, I wanted to just step back for a second once we got done with the attitudes and look at this list and think about is there anything on this list that doesn't apply to how we treat all of us, all of each other? Is there anything on this list that sort of doesn't apply to how we treat all of each other? Not really. Not really. It gets back to what Michelle was talking about, and I think pastors and pastors' families are get aware of that somehow, somehow. People are afraid to treat them the way they would treat their friends. 
and somehow they're not entitled to be friends or they're not really friends because they're my pastor or they, they or it's like my boss, I can't really be my boss's friend or it's like the sergeant who can't really be the friend of the colonel. We don't have that problem. We don't have that problem. We're brothers and sisters. So we can look at each other across the room, to the front of the room, whatever it is, with this as our mindset, with this as our attitude. Um, <clears throat> and so again, I think, why do we have these references with respect to leaders? I think it's also because as humans, we do not like being led. We like autonomy. It's one of our main things as humans. And American humans might even be more than, more than other sort of pioneer kids or whatever we are, right? So we don't like submission. We don't like, we want to do what we want to do. So that's a fundamental temptation for, for us. And where does that really kick in? With respect to anybody who's trying to tell us anything to do or not do or so we, we, we don't, we want to, we don't, we have a resistance. So it's only in the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do these things with each other. And because we're brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, these, these instructions are possible and reasonable. So uh, any comments about attitudes? we got a few minutes here to do actions. Go ahead, Josh. That's 2 Timothy 2, one that you just went over. Yes. Absolutely love that, that section. It's uh, it's so obviously like something that can't be done by us. It's supernaturally, you know, given. <laughs> I think it's, it does that just like the way that the gospel is given, right? It's like to the wisdom of God, not by the wisdom of man, was he found, right? So... It's like God shines through in that. It's mm -hmm. completely opposite of what we would want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you correct your opponent with gentleness? We, we see it in war. It's like, I'm going to correct you with my sword. <laughs> or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's just... Yeah. yeah. It's not... It's a, it is empowered and possible by God and the Holy Spirit, not by our flesh. Um, but he has blessed us with the Holy Spirit. For a time, I imagine it makes us look at that leader with like a certain like disdain or something, right? Like, like the weaker, whatever. You can't see clearly. It could, yes. So being gentle. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're you're, you're if you're expecting a drill sergeant, then you might be tempted to. Well, this this person doesn't feel strongly enough about this for me to worry about it. As, you know, if you're expecting a drill sergeant to tell you you're a worm and to do 50 push-ups. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So now we're going to talk about actions. I said the author divides this up between, like, attitudes and actions. So we're now we're going to go to the action part in our remaining time. And uh, action number one that he suggests is uh, participation, patiently participating in the selection of leaders. Participate, go to uh, participate in selection. 
Yeah, go to, let's go to Acts 6, 1 through 6. The famous passage. Who can read this loudly? Go ahead. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who, will, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. <clears throat> Thank you, John. So this is the famous passage where the first deacons got uh, appointed, recognize this. And uh, there's not really, by the way, I, I, I spent an, some time studying the appointment process for leaders, and uh, upshot is there's not much in black and white about the appointment process for leaders. You have to kind of infer things from it. And this is one of the main passages about a biblical model for selection of leaders. So uh, I'll point out here, what I just want to point out is if you look in verse, uh, <clears throat> yeah, verse two. So the 12, now this is the apostles. This is the, this is the disciples, the original 12 disciples, right? And they, so they were still all together at this time, at this place. And uh, but the church was growing like crazy. We've had the three thousand members, and I think there's been already this time in Acts. There's another couple thousand member. I mean, the church was just exploding. And uh, <clears throat> when it was time to solve this problem by appointing more leaders to address this problem they were having with the distribution of uh, food uh, to the poor, I think to the widows. Um, they summoned, what's it say? The full number of this. It's like the whole church came to this meeting. All right. And then further down, it says, the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples. And uh, he, they said, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you. So they asked for nominations from the full number. Okay. And... Um, <clears throat> Dip, dip, dip. They did. They picked the people out. And then, guess what? In verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. All right, so every, everybody was involved. It's kind of like a unanimous approval situation here. And they, here's who they chose. So when it comes time, one of the things, when an action we can take that's toward the leaders our author suggests, is to participate in the selection of leaders. We should all participate in the selection of leaders. And, of course, that is kind of how we do it here, and which was kind of modeled on this. Uh, and uh, so the nomination of leaders 
And it's facilitated by the current leaders. You see that? The current leaders called for it. It's facilitated by the current leaders, but it was then back to them for everyone to be happy, right? Everyone approved. So the main thing we want to do here is suggest that one action we can take with respect to leadership is to be fully engaged when it's time to select leaders, participate, okay? Um, <clears throat> Uh, okay, any questions about that? Oh, I have a question about that. How do we know? <coughs> how do we know? We didn't take a minute to read the qualifications of leaders, but I think we remember them, right? Those lists in, in Titus and Timothy. How do we know who would be a good leader if we're supposed to help select them? How do we know who to nominate? You have to know them. You would have to be involved with the congregants to know who would make a good leader. So, in your own personal involvement. Right. So it's not really a drive-by thing. It's it's something we're 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 selecting from among us. So we're called to you know, know each other well enough. And that takes a higher level of engagement than, you know, like our coworkers of the office. We need to know, yeah, that person. I'm willing, I'd like to nominate that person based on how well I know them. Okay. So, uh, thank you, Stephanie. Yes, we need to be, when, by fully engaged, I don't just mean at the very end, of the, but at the, to be in position to nominate somebody, you have to be knowing people. You have to be working with each other to, to, to love each other well. That's how it's almost the same function of loving each other well also gives you the knowledge to nominate a leader. Okay, uh, action number two, the most popular one, Hebrews 13, 17. Oh, God, we're, al we're almost done, I think. <laughs> we may have to speed up. What did it say? Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. kind of plain English. What's an example of letting them do this with joy as as opposed to an example of with groaning? What's an example? What occurs to you as examples of obeying and submitting so that they're, they're doing this thing they got called to uh, shepherding as those who will give an account with with joy, with joy, with joy, with groaning. I kind of think of it as as a parent, my children. Like it's 
they, they can do what I tell them to do. There's, there's such a huge difference in my experience as a parent when they obey with, with joy and true submission and obedience versus begrudgingly and just their ethical attitude. Um, I mean, that, it, it's, it's just, that kind of let them do, like, it's almost, I, I, I you could step in and say to children, like, let your parents parent you with joy and not with groaning. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of control over it. Yeah. Um, maybe that's, that's not quite the same analogy, but that just, that's kind of what it makes me think of, of like, as a church member, if I'm doing my job right, and just in my attitude and demeanor mm-hmm. and, and hum, humil, humility and humble submission and being teachable and all that, mm-hmm. then it's a, I imagine as an elder or pastor that it's a joy then to mm-hmm. shepherd me, to, mm-hmm. te- to teach and guide me. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. So regardless yeah. of who the leader is, <coughs> whoever the leader is, God has, a, has called them to that position. And so we may not like everything about that leader. We not, may not agree with everything about that leader, but God has called him to that position. We should respect that and realize, hey, they are protecting me. Mm-hmm. They are watching over my soul. And I may not agree with everything, but I know that you know God has called them to that position, so I should respect that mm-hmm. And also that God's the ultimate, like knowing that they're human beings, they're fallible, but but they'll give an account to God. Like I said here, as as those who will have to give an account, like there is an authority beyond them that God says. So in a sense, we're submitting really through that to to God. So like like Chris said, they may not always agree with decisions. And there's a lot of other things there, you know, that we spent previous weeks about. There are times when maybe there is something wrong. Yes. Overall. I, I yeah. think we're still called to this. this. Yeah. Okay, Josh? I think simple things like showing up, like it's probably a joy to have people in your class that you prepared for versus like not having anyone here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> That's true. That's a good example, I'd say. <clears throat> All right. Uh, speaking of examples, action number three. Uh, let's go to First Peter five, two to three. First Peter's hard to find. Oh, there it is. First Peter five, two and three. <clears throat> so Peter here is commanding elders. He's talking to elders, and he says, <coughs> very similar to this verse we read there over in uh, Timothy, I think it was. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So leaders are called here to pursue being a good example by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can all grow by imitating them. Now that is some onus. Uh, 
but I mean, I think there also, um, we, we can look to that. Paul says in Philippians, this is Philippians 3.17, brothers, this is Paul talking uh, to, I think, the whole church of the Philippians. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So he's talking to people who know him, but then he's referring them to people, other people that they know, that they view as like Paul. So this is this is a, a call both this is a call to on leaders to be imitatable, to be doing things that are good examples, but also for all of us to notice those examples and and imitate them, to use them as examples. Josh? I got more, sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> if uh, the congregants can have leaders they're not necessarily like super crazy about, certainly the leaders can have that about the congregants. <laughs> but it tells us the shepherd the flock that is among you. Don't be looking at the flock across the street or wherever else, right? It's the ones that God gave you that you're to shepherd. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right, we are getting out of time, but I have one other thing uh, that is an action, uh, and it's Colossians 4, 2 through 4. And uh, Paul's talking to the Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear, which is, which is how I ought to speak. So the action here, pray for your leaders. And uh, <clears throat> what for? What does Paul want to be prayed for? What's his request? What's some of the words? That he can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which he is in chains. Clearly. So the, the, the job of the leader is principally to teach. But that's not come, that can't good teaching can't come out of the flesh of the leader. That has to come from the Holy Spirit, from His Word. It's a. It basically has to come as a result of prayer. And uh, I'm sure any of us that have ever taught anything uh, out of the Word have prayed before we were starting to teach or while we were preparing for God to help us represent his word well. And uh, so we can all pray for our leaders because they battle, you know, every word you speak, if you're teaching, as you know, if you've ever taught anybody anything, if you're from the Bible, you're subject as a fleshly person to corrupting the Bible. You're subject to putting your own thing in there. And uh, the, the only protection you got from that is the Holy Spirit and really... God acts in answer to prayer. So there couldn't, I don't think there could be any more important action toward our leaders. We're talking, all this stuff's important. 
but praying for your leaders is critical. They, they need the Holy Spirit. Now, there's one other thing. How are we doing on time? This is the ox. Remember the ox back in uh, um, <clears throat> 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18? Let the <coughs> others rule and consider worthy of double honor, especially, especially, those, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. So that's apparently, that's in Deuteronomy. Is that in Deuteronomy? Somewhere? <laughs> uh, that is quoting scripture. <clears throat> and so that's getting into some detail there. But uh, why is, you know, what's the, what's the idea here? What's the idea here? So this is like, your, this is for pastors, right? For especially those who, whose work, whose job it is to preach and teach. Should not muzzle an ox. Um, <clears throat> our author here, and I tend to agree, is talking about this idea. The pastor is working like an ox to take care of the flock, doing everything they can, long hours, nights and weekends, to take care of the flock. God is asking us to allow them, the pastors, to also have the opportunity to benefit from shepherding, to benefit from the kind of thing that they are doing for other people all the time. Pastors need pastoring too. And they, they I think that's what this, the ox, letting them benefit from the work that, the kind of work that they're doing and the work that they're doing. So I think of examples like, I mean, how does a pastor get pastored, right? Um, by congregants, but, you know, time with friends, time with other pastors, sabbatical times. Um, you know, what are the ways we can think of that we can enable our pastors to benefit, to get to get shepherded and to be refreshed? We should be sure, as, as we can be, to allow that, to make that happen or to support that. <clears throat> That's the ox, I think. Any comments about the ox? Well, it seems like letting them see the fruit of their ministry, for instance, in your own heart. What has ah, this yes. pastor or teacher's ministry taught you, or how have you grown under this? I would think that would be Great. a way to feed them. Great. Yes. Feed those who are feeding us. Right. Yeah. Say again, Josh. It reminds me of do not neglect to share what you have with those that have taught you in right. Christ or something like that. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Pursuing, I like this uh, fellowship times, fellowship times that are not part of their job. <laughs> fellowship times with us that are not part of their job that are not there because they're the pastor. Right. I'm just wondering, is, are they ever off the clock, so to speak? Right. Similar to what Michelle was talking about earlier. So yeah. Exactly. Does a congregation ever allow them to yeah. not be in that role and just hang out? Hang out. Yeah. Be a friend. Yeah. yeah. 
But yes. Sometimes like you know that when people have a hard time with that animal with having more than one role, person having yeah. more than one role. Yeah. So it's understandable how that happens. Yeah. But I also could imagine it's kind of draining and isolating for somebody. Yeah. If that's all I can ever be to you, it's yeah. could be isolating. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. I think it, it often is. So I think that's that's uh, that's we can remember the ox. As a, to me now, I'll never for, forget the ox about this. Um, and uh, all right, we are we're out of time. Um, appreciate all the conversation. Uh, very nice. And let me pray for us, and we'll head down to worship. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your word this morning and how you knew. Uh, what we would need to know, what you would need to help us understand and placed it in your word for us to find. And Lord gave us the Holy Spirit so we would recognize it when we see it. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for our pastors and leaders. And uh, Lord, we just pray for them that you would strengthen and encourage them, that you would bless them, that you would enable us to follow them in a, such a way as to, that they serve can be serving with joy and not with groaning. Lord, help us to identify how we can serve them personally um, uh, as friends and brothers and sisters and uh, not with, a, not with a, an arm's length um, attitude. Or, Lord, just help us do this and help us open our minds and hearts to listen, to obey, to submit, uh, Lord, as you guide and direct us through them, that you would empower us in your Holy Spirit to, um, to open our hearts and to, um, to, be, to be used by them for you to conform us to the image of your Son. And I pray now as we go to worship that you would be uh, pleased with our worship this morning and with the teaching of the word, uh, Lord, and with the fellowship that we share in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.